we're flooded with information, right? Like, and the internet has given idiots platforms that mm. most social relationships would have said, no, don't listen to that guy. Hey, He's crazy. <laughs> a long time ago, right? Everybody in Steve's hometown, everybody that went to high school with Steve knows Steve's an idiot, but he's got a TikTok account. Right. So man, Steve is valid now. The question isn't, are we being changed? The question is, how are we being changed? All right. Well, here we go. We're back on the podcast with week two. And uh, first thing I want to do uh, was tell you guys, thank you so much. If you listened last week, I know uh, both Chip and I received all kinds of awesome feedback from uh, the show and just how helpful it was to kind of unpack maybe some of the things that were unclear, maybe get a little bit of a better handle on it because... Uh, like we said last week, you only get 35 minutes. And so we just appreciate all that feedback. Yeah, they, um, they gassed us up hard. I mean, I want to go punch Joe Rogan in the nose. Like, I was ready to go. We, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a good really time. good. It was really good. We appreciate it. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking at our Instagram stories on a Monday morning or Facebook stories on a Monday morning, you're seeing that we're also asking for questions that you have. And so uh, might make that a regular part of this. So if you have any, uh, kind of put them in your hopper and get ready for the following day and feel free to shoot those to us. Uh, the next week, but a couple other things we want to do. We really want to thank uh, Chris because a lot of this stuff doesn't happen in Jules to Thrive Communications because they're a, a big part of you know helping us figure out what equipment do we get and how do we navigate this and how does it work because we're just not that smart, right? And well, <laughs> honestly, all we do is hit the record button and hit the record button when we're done, and then Chris makes it sound good. Yeah, Chris is the man, and so we just really appreciate both of them. So, uh, Chris, Jules, if y'all are listening, we want you to hear that we are super uh, grateful for you. And then kind of also want to tell you guys a little bit about what our plan is going forward. So uh, we are going to continue this through this vision series, and then we're going to kind of take a little break and see what next year brings, kind of fine-tune some of this, polish some of this, maybe get a name for some of this, right? Some of those things that we really need to put a handle on. Is this our first, like, user submission, listener submission? Hey, if you, if you got ideas for a name, just in case the new year makes this a little more regular, we'd, we'd be interested? Yeah, shoot it to us. But also, uh, it's kind of like when you ask your mom if you're a good singer, she's going to tell you yes. So find a good source, right? Find somebody that's not just going to gas up your idea, you know, maybe vet your idea before you send it over before you do that. Because, yeah, uh, because you don't want us to have a segment of making fun of user submitted names and it be years. Right. <laughs> yeah, we don't, that's the worst case there. That's nightmare fuel. So, uh, so don't do that. But we are going to try to see what next year brings to this. We're going to finish this. You know, John used to, to come to the orchard every week, and I haven't seen him since you guys dropped that new podcast. I don't know what happened. You know, not just with the podcast names, but I got a sneaky feeling that might be coming with just some of the content overall, you know. You know, um, we'll see. We'll see. But that's a lot of the front end stuff. I'm really excited uh, to dive into the second week of this conversation. So uh, I have Chip with me. He is our lead pastor. And uh, like we said last week, this is really a vision series. A lot of stuff that Chip feels like God has laid on his heart throughout the year as the lead pastor to talk to our church about. And so if you were here uh, in Lake City or uh, at Brantford Sunday, you saw Chip on a screen. Uh, if you were in Live Oak, you got to see him live in the flesh. You know, um, it's kind of funny because Chip, you're a little bit taller in Lake City this week, man. You're pretty big up there on the screen. You know, it just so happens never just happens. We'll just leave it at that. That's right. One of my favorite stories real quick, kind of just <laughs> getting lost in the weeds already, which is not great for three minutes in. But Danny, you know, you don't, you got to be yeah. careful with Danny. If you know Danny, Danny's our sound guy in Lake City. And Danny is just... He and his wife, Tammy, own First Street Music here in town. Yes. And Danny's a time bomb. You don't ever know what's coming out of Danny's mouth next. Can uh, confirm. But one of the things he said was the first time we did video, we, we had Southridge going, you had preached on the screen for a couple weeks before you ever came in person. And, you know, the guest like, yeah, it's cool. He's going to be here in person finally. And, and this one lady, I guess, goes, what do you mean he's going to be in person finally? He's been in person 
for two weeks already, and she just didn't understand that there was a screen. Yeah, it is like a true story. Looking. I can confirm because she told that to me. Oh, because gosh. I said from the stage, <laughs> hey, it's good to finally be here in person. And she came up afterwards and said, what did you mean by that? And I said, well. <laughs> Man, gosh. Yeah, it's cool that we have technology to be able to afford us that kind of stuff. And you know, so, I think it is. It, it's good. Maybe this is, you know, not planned. Something worth saying is... Um, Pastor Eddie uh, and myself have always been just kind of a little bit leery about video because one of the big things at The Orchard is we don't want it built on any one guy's personality. Right. And I think as the lead guy, he was for uh, from founding on, I am now, is that's maybe easier for us than just location pastors, even though, AJ, you know, we've talked with location pastors about it's easy for location pastors to, you know, use their personality to build a location. But anyway, that's part of why we stayed away from the idea of video any more than we have. Yeah. But the thing that really gave us a piece about using it when we feel like we need to use it is that we know that the work of the Spirit in our churches on Sunday is never dependent upon the presence of a man, but upon mm. the presence of God. That's good. I think right? it's a like good Like it doesn't yeah. have to be, hey, you're live, you know, I'm live, and that's only what the only way that God can speak. No, God can speak through any means that He deems, any means that He chooses. He spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament, so I'm pretty cool yeah. He can use video now. And I would like to say some of the people who are not real big on video and maybe not really sure about, well, I'm not sure video sounds... You know, I, I don't know. Is that just too progressive? I would push back and say, how many Gaither tapes do you have at your oh, house gosh. to watch Homecoming on, on VHS? You know, like, we, we know that God uses video. And, and so uh, while we never plan on making that a regular thing at the Orchard, I think it is helpful in special occasions like this. Yeah, it's cool. It's been good, you know, and I think we've gotten some good feedback and just grateful for uh, our ability to do that. And so, uh, but I don't want to get too lost in a lot of that front end stuff. Kind of really want to dive in because I know uh, based on feedback, this is the part that was really helpful for people was kind of unpacking a lot of this stuff. And so uh, if you've been with us over the last two weeks, you know that our series that we're currently in is called Formed. And it is really and truly all about figuring out how to be spiritually formed, right? We're putting, we're trying to put some language behind discipleship to kind of help make it a little more clear because I feel like in our culture, at least our Christian subcultures, right? Discipleship is this word that uh, everybody says, but everybody might mean differently or nobody really knows oh, it what means, it means. It know? means a ton of different things depending on what church subculture you grew up in. And while there is a definite Southern Christian subculture, there are a lot of smaller individual subcultures that all look at discipleship differently. Yeah, yeah. And so we really want to put a handle on that, help uh, help us get a handle on that, right? And what does that look like? And so one of our uh, taglines is moving Jesus to the center of our hearts and lives. And uh, we really talked about that a lot last week and talked about uh, one of the things I thought was super helpful in the in the conversation last week was just the gravity, right, of something you try to put in the center. Like nothing's going to be able to sustain yeah. everything else in orbit besides Jesus. And so he's got that. He's got to be in the center because he's the only thing that can hold the weight of everything yeah, absolutely. else. absolutely. And everything, you know, like we've said for a couple of weeks now, everything in our life is fighting for the center, but only one thing can hold the center, right. and that's Jesus, yeah. right? So that's why this is not just important, it's necessary. Yeah. Because Jesus is the only thing that's going to let everything else in your life find its proper place as well. Yeah, and you said life, so that's huge because last week we talked about being formed in faith, right? And this week we talked about being formed in life. And so kind of maybe unpack a little bit how those two things are connected, how the two messages are connected uh, in that conversation. Yeah, I think that um, when we outline a series, 
Um, sometimes those messages really aren't related. They're a lot more standalone. Like you can miss one and, and, and everything still fits the next time you come back. Um, and this series may on the surface seem like that, uh, but in my mind it's not. Being formed in faith and then in life and then in mission it is an import is an important and specific order in my mind that, that we think through, right? Uh, because when we talk about and we talked about the Sunday being formed in our life, um, a lot of times we just go immediately to the things that we do or the things that we don't do. You know, all of that, whether we want to admit it or not, is shaped by that subculture mm-hmm. that we grew up in. Yeah. It's shaped by traditions. It's shaped by different biases, and so it's important that we are formed in our faith first taking all of those traditions, all of those, well, grandma said, all of our biases to the Word of God and letting the Word of God shape for us what that life should look like, right? Because I think there are some things um, that we would not uh, immediately think of that Scripture brings to the forefront, and there are things that we often think of as respectable or whatnot that Scripture says, no, that is not part of a spiritually formed life. So for me, it is that initial foundation of a commitment to the Scriptures and letting them shape shape our understanding of what a well-formed life looks like uh, that really connects those messages and puts them in the proper order. First, we're formed in our our faith. Okay, now if we're formed in our faith, let's move on to being formed in our life. Yeah, that's so good. So, But here's the tension. We have opinions, even in Christian subculture, that are in contradiction to Scripture sometimes, or maybe oh, it's absolutely. just a little bit unclear. So why do you think that happens? Why do you think we go from... Because at some point, this isn't how it was, right? At some point, you have the purity of the early church in many ways, right? And they had their own issues. But at some point, everybody's pulling, for the most part, in one direction. And now we have different denominations, different abominations, right? All these different things. And so, <laughs> yeah. so how does that happen? How do we go from, okay, it should be God's word to now now this Christian subculture says this, all those different things. Uh, so a, a few different thoughts. First thought is, um, number one, uh, I think we need to be careful about the kind of pedestal that we set the early church on. Uh, because there were issues in the early church yeah. that um, had to be addressed because they were so bad. I mean, if you go and read Corinthians, yeah. First Corinthians, they were a hot mess, Boy, right? Yeah. Um, if you go look, even in Acts, when they first installed uh, servant deacons in the church, uh, it's because people were being racist, you know? I mean, there are, you know, Ananias and and, uh, Sapphira who were stealing from the church, you know? I mean, like, there's all these issues in the early church. Um, So I think there is, and this is something you hear all the time, right? There is no perfect church because there's no perfect people. And so there always are issues. But I think, uh, by and large, you're right that the church was unified around a lot of things. The church was unified around the writings of Paul in particular. We read that last week, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Peter's letter. And, uh, you know, as the scriptures came into existence and the canon of scripture was unified and it was universally uh, recognized in the church, you know, yes, there were some different, you know, streams going in different directions, but by and large, there were not different denominations, as we would say today. So, how did we get to denominations today? Uh, well, number one, I think that we have denominations today because there are legitimate different ways to interpret pieces of Scripture, right? Uh, not every piece of uh, Scripture uh, is open for a different interpretation because some of it is just that clear. Um, some pieces of Scripture uh, have been interpreted differently, but not all interpretations are equal because just honestly, some interpretations that people try to throw out there, 
they, they just don't hold weight when you look at them logically. Historically, they just don't hold right. up. But there are a lot of areas of Scripture that you can, with intellectual integrity and scriptural fidelity, you can interpret it differently. And so it's those different interpretations that have led to different denominations. And I think that's why it's important that we hold some of those things loosely um, because you know, I, I think I'm right about everything. Sure. AJ can confirm. <laughs> Everybody at the uh, location pastors yeah. meetings can yeah. confirm. I think I'm right about everything. Uh, but I try to understand that though I think I'm right, there are some areas that I'm not. So I try to hold some of that loosely. And I think that's a good place for every Christian. But to circle all the way back to the how did we get here with the different beliefs and not everybody, yeah. you know, that subcultures. They that, yeah. So, so here's the end of the deal. I think the main way that we are where we are today is because there's people sitting in our churches every Sunday who've not read the Bible. You're saying, they think it's in the Bible, yeah. but it's not, and they have no clue. So you're saying it is, it's maybe less about the difference of interpretation and more about just a complete lack of interpretation. Yeah, it's they about ignorance, not interpretation. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't mean that to sound as harsh as it does, but at the end of the day, they heard somebody say, and that was good enough. They yeah. they never looked back at the scriptures. They never tested it by the scriptures. I think that that is more and more the case now because we are flooded with information from all other, uh, from almost every direction. We're flooded with information, right? Like, and the internet has given idiots platforms that mm. most social relationships <laughs> would have said, "No, don't listen to that guy. Hey, He's crazy." <laughs> a long time ago, right? We don't really, we don't really take what Steve says too seriously. So no, be careful. That's now right. Steve's got an Instagram and a Twitter and a TikTok. Everybody in Steve's hometown. Yeah. Everybody that went to right. high school with Steve knows Steve's an idiot, but he's got a TikTok account. Right. So, man, Steve is valid now. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's super dangerous, right? And, and so I think the reason that there are so many different opinions or beliefs now uh, that aren't informed by the Scriptures is honestly because there are a lot of people who attend church. There are a lot of people who attend our church that are just ignorant of what the Bible says because they've never read it for themselves. Yeah, that's good. So starting there with Scripture and saying, hey, let's... And that's part of the deconstructing conversation we had last that's week. Right. Like, it's that's huge. Right. It's important. You've got to be able to deconstruct, especially, you know, when your veil is lifted and you realize, hey, maybe a lot of the stuff that I've held on to is just a lot of hearsay, right? And, and i got to right. go figure out for myself. I think, that, like we said last week, that's noble. It's a good thing. You should have a earnest desire to find out what truth is and then pursue that because at the end of the day... Um, I think one of the other things that scares us is that maybe, you know, maybe scripture's wrong, right? And, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the ignorance in some ways is just sheer ignorance, but I think a lot of that posture is, you know, I really like what I've heard and I really don't want this to be wrong. And so I'm not going to go try to find something else because I like this Christian subculture. I like this idea or belief. And, and so we kind of hide behind as emotional creatures, what we like, instead of trying to go figure out what is true and what is right, you know? And so... Uh, well, I, I think that's good. I think just um, a, a couple of thoughts with that, AJ, is that, you know, number one, you're right. If we want something to be true, usually that's good enough for us to believe it. Yeah. You know, if we want it to be true, if it fits in with our beliefs. And we talked about this uh, when we did the live Q&A in Lake City, when I talked about, you know, is Israel and Hamas. Like, well, yeah. how, how do we decide what's new, what's not new, or what's true, what's not true? Um, well, number one, if you want it to be true, immediately question it. Yeah. Because your objectivity just went way down if you want it to be true. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a big deal. Um, and I think the other part of that is a very real thing, but often maybe less of a thing, and that is we're not sure the Bible's true. Um, I do think 
that there is a lack of confidence in the inerrancy of Scripture among a lot of people, uh, not in the fact that they think that it's objectively wrong, but they think that time and culture has passed it by. I see that all the time you know, on hey, social well, media. Yeah, well, that, that was for that day and time. And to be really honest, okay, that is true to some extent, right? But that is not true in the moral and spiritual principles that we read in Scripture. So what we have to do, and, and I think that is why, AJ, you, me, Pastor Matt, Pastor Eddie, Pastor Jeff, like our call to preach the Word is not deciding which parts of Scripture are true or not true, because it's all true, but it is filtering that truth into our culture. Yeah, um, and, and that's what's hard. So I do think there's maybe a lack of confidence, and is this still relevant? Maybe mm-hmm. more so than is this true? Is this still relevant, I think, is the question a lot of people are asking. But I think that is very, very, very far behind. Well, I already want this other thing right. to be true, yeah, so I'm your, going there. Your emotional capacity takes precedence usually. Um so let's talk about some of those boundary markers, right? And, and maybe even start here because I know uh, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, um, but one of the things that you said early on in your message that I loved was sometimes behavior modification can masquerade as spiritual formation. And when we talk about spiritually formed and we talk about behavior modifying, I would love for you to kind of uh, unpack some of that difference. Maybe for somebody who wasn't here Sunday, give us like a quick 30-second recap. Maybe for somebody who was... Uh, take a second to press into that a little bit further, but behavior modification can masquerade as spiritual formation. Unpack that. Yeah, so the the terminology, um, behavior modification, masquerading as spiritual formation, is something that I kind of put together from uh, different guys that I was reading, different things that I've been thinking about. And, and, and for me, it, it is very much the idea that we want to evaluate our spiritual growth and maturity based on the things that we do and the things that we don't do. And so rather than asking, okay, am I being transformed from the inside out? Right. Like, am I looking like Jesus? Am I loving God more? Am I loving people well? The question is, well, am I not doing these bad things and am I doing mm. these good things? And at the end of the day, those things, those behaviors, those actions are not a great test of whether or not you've really been changed on the inside out, uh, especially when those behaviors are more shaped by the culture we grow up in yeah. than the scriptures themselves. You know, Sunday, uh, as we're kind of closing out, because I know in each one of these messages, uh, you're trying to give the location pastor some margin to kind of speak into them a little bit. And so Sunday, you know, we talked about this at the end, but I said it's so easy when we look at a list to say, well, I'm not doing 12 of those 15 things on the sin list, so I got to be all right, right? And then you look over at Paul's list on the other side, and you're like, but I'm not full of self-control. I'm not being very gentle. I blew up on my spouse four times this week, and I don't have patience, right? And so it's like, yeah, you're nailing the list, but your attitudes in the middle of nailing the list are not good. You yeah, know? absolutely. And I think that that is the hardest thing for us to get our minds around when it comes to about being formed in our life. It's that it's not just what you do. It is how and why you do it that is important. Uh, I don't. I know that Katie has never said this to you before, AJ. Uh, but it's not what you said. Oh boy, it's how you said it. Maybe not right? Katie, but my mama used to say that four <laughs> times a week. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's true. You know, with our behaviors and our actions um, as we follow Jesus, is you know, if we do say the right things, 
but we do them the wrong way or with the wrong motivations, then that's sin. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, we, we already mentioned this, right? Go back and look at Ananias and Sapphira. What, what did they do? Well, they gave a bunch of money to the church. Mm-hmm. Is that a bad thing? No. Is that a good behavior modification that a lot of people make? Oh, yeah, yeah. I started coming to church. I drop a $20 bill in the box every Sunday. You know, yeah, that's a good thing. However, their motivation was that they wanted to be thought of well by everybody in the church. They wanted people to say, oh man, look at those guys. They're so great. They're so awesome. That was their motivation. And because that was their motivation, they kept back some of the prophets and just wanted everybody to think they had given it all, right? So it was that internal motivation that marred that good act that led to them being struck down dead in church on Sunday. Mm. So, hey, you know, if you want (laughs) to cut down, you know, retention rate on guests, you know, um, it's a big thing. But I I think that, you know, the same is true. You look at Saul in the Old Testament, right? Uh, Why was the kingship ultimately removed from Saul? Well, if you look at the action, it was because he offered sacrifices to God. Wait, what what do you mean, right? He, He offered a sacrifice to God and God took away the kingdom? Yeah, but it wasn't the action of him offering sacrifice. It was the attitude yeah. in which he did it. Number one, he was disobedient because God had already told him a certain way to do it, right? And then number two, he did it out of pride and, hey, I'm the guy. I can do whatever I want. And so I think that what I see in churches all over the place, is that as long as, and this is my go-to, I know that people who've come to the orchard have heard me say it before, if we don't smoke, drink, or chew, or run with girls who do, do, right? right, If we keep these behaviors, then yeah, we must be being a good Christian. It has nothing to do with the fruit of the Spirit that we looked about Sunday that are all attitudes of our heart and postures of our life, not just checklist of behaviors and habits that we break. Yeah, that's good. And I think that was probably, just based on conversations I had on the back end of service, one of the most helpful pieces to our conversation Sunday is that it's not just actions, it's your attitude in the middle of the actions. And when you when you look at Galatians 5, which is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, honestly, because it brings so much clarity to this like struggle that we have as people trying to figure out rule following versus you know life change and all that kind of stuff, um, I think that's why it was so helpful. And so maybe talk about where those two worlds collide because you if you have a good attitude here's the reality at some point your actions will follow that right and so it's not just that you have only a good attitude and no good actions it's not that you just have uh, good actions and no good attitude it's at some point when we like you said in Paul says in Galatians 5 you walk by the spirit those two worlds collide and so maybe talk about uh, if you will for a minute just kind of how do those two worlds get married what does that look like how does that happen yeah I think you know Maybe it's important here that we say we are not against you breaking sinful habits in your life. And we are not against you starting good habits in your life. What we're saying is that those habits in and of themselves for the wrong reason are sin. Right? One of the most dangerous and deadly sins that any of us fight against is self-righteousness. The idea that we can do it ourselves, that we can make ourselves righteous. I like what Pastor Matt said uh, at the end of the sermon uh, yesterday in Live Oak. He said, look, the point of this is not to be a better person. The point of this is to be a new person. New person. Right? And that good. only comes from God changing us from the inside out. And so if we are just looking at the fruit so to speak, of our actions and behaviors, we can maybe find ourselves getting fooled by that a little bit, right? Have you ever, I'm not going to tell on myself, but have you ever like grabbed a piece of fruit and it was plastic and you were just like immediately let down? 
I've never bitten one, <laughs> but I have picked it up and the weight told on it, yeah. you know, um, but, you know, we can fool ourselves into thinking, well, that that's real, but it's not real. That's that's self-righteousness, not spiritual formation. Right. Um, so it is that internal that is vastly more important because that's where we can truly see where we're growing. That said, you will not have internal transformation without changes that leak into other areas of your life, you know, without changes in those actions and behaviors. But the order of them and the priority of them, uh, we have to get right. Yeah, you uh, you said that and talked around that a lot uh, Sunday in your message. And one of the things I wrote down in my personal notes as I was listening to that is your appearance does not dictate your true spirituality, right? Like what everybody sees does not dictate whether or not you are a spiritual person who has been changed, right? Uh, in the little sub note I wrote under that was we should be more concerned with what God sees than with what other people see. Because at the end of the day, God's not impressed by a facade. He's not fooled by a yeah. facade. He sees the whole picture. He sees not just the outward appearance, but he sees the heart of the individual as it is becoming sanctified, right? Big word for change. But yeah, let me, let me just kind of say that this is why that point right there is why I have a particular pet peeve. And that particular pet peeve is I despise when Christians use overly generic, flowery, spiritual language that is not grounded in anything. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'll talk with people and have conversations, and and I swear, people talk to you different when they find out you're a pastor. The, the sure, way they yeah. talk changes. Their language of <laughs> vocabulary changes. Some vocabulary obviously changes, but others, like they just start using these words and phrases, you know, that, I, that I, and in times I'll catch myself and I'll say, what do you mean? Like, I, I don't understand what you're saying right now because what you're doing is using this overly flowery spiritual language to cover up that there's really nothing underneath it. Yeah. And I think that... Lipstick on a pig. Yeah, at, at best, right. you know. Uh, more like lipstick on a ghost because there's nothing <laughs> sure, there, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, underneath it. And, and so I think that's why it's so important that we get specific, you know, uh, about a lot of this stuff and we get specific with, uh, okay, what does this look like? Because I may not be where I want to be, and I may not be where a lot of people think I am because you know how it is to be a pastor and, you know, put on a pedestal and people think that you never mess up and that you never lose your temper and right. that you never, you know, say a bad word when somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic, you know. <laughs> um, but the truth is I would rather do my best to be honest and transparent with where I'm at and not hide it behind general flowery language because at the end of the day, you're not going to you're not going to think less of me than I think of myself sometimes, and you're not going to think better of me than God does when He looks at me and sees Jesus. Mm. Because oh, that's, that's the good. reality, right? Is that yes, we can put all this stuff on, uh, uh, you know, lipstick on a pig, lipstick on a ghost. We can use all this language. We can dress ourselves up, put a smile, have a Bible bigger than everybody's tucked under our arm when right. we walk in church on Sunday, and that's just for everybody else because you know what's going on in your heart and life, right? And more importantly, I would say, you know that God knows, yeah. and you're not fooling Him. I mean, woe to us if we think that what we do on Sunday actually tricks God, you actually know, fools God, because it doesn't. I don't know, and this is where this is where I'm fascinated by people in a lot of ways myself. You know, just sociological studies fascinate me. But I'm not sure in many ways it's that we try to fool God. Maybe sometimes it is, but I think sometimes it's also 
just a sheer lack of acknowledgement of him, right? Like we see people all the time. And so that's who we're naturally inclined to please. But yeah, when I good. haven't spent time with God that's in a good. month and two months, it's like he's, he's so far away from my thoughts. It, his desires, the things that I know he wants of me, they're just not prevalent. And so it, I think our natural inclination as people is to say, well, let me hit the marker I can see. Let me hit the marker I do care about. Because right now, God's, you know, I haven't spent time in him with him yeah. in prayer and scripture and all that. It's just proximity foreign. equals priority. So good. Yeah. It's one right. of my proximity favorite equals lines. Priority. Yeah. Um, what's right in front of us is most important. And I think you're right because we're around people because we see people. That's what we want to get that reaction from, right? And, and I think here, man, that's a sneaky way to use and manipulate people. It is. And when we say we want something for you, not from you at the orchard, I hope this is part of it. Like, I hope that our pastors, we don't have to act a certain way and live a certain way so that you'll treat us a certain way because at the end of the day, then we're just using you to get a feeling. We're just using you to get an affirmation. So if sometimes we say something hard, if sometimes just being transparent lets you down, if sometimes... Well, at least you know that we're not trying to get anything from you. We we generally want to be for yeah. you, you yeah. know. Uh, and, and I think that, man, that, that that you're right about. We know we're not fooling God. Craig Rochelle uses the term, uh, used it a long time ago, where he says that we just have a lot of practical atheists. Mm. Like, yes, we believe in God. Yes, we say that we believe in God. Yes, we you know do all these things. But at the end of the day, what impact does it have on our life? Man, I think that that, that is that's really true. I think, it, it, and it shouldn't shock us, right? Paul starts this whole letter in Galatians off in chapter one, verse ten, and he says, "Am I seeking the approval of God or of man? If I were still seeking the approval of man, I wouldn't be a here's the word servant to Christ." And you talked about that last week. Talked about freedom and what it is to be free, but also Paul, I'm a servant to Christ. I'm a slave to Christ, and all that stuff. And so even Paul, kind of before he addresses all these hyper spiritual people who are really just trying to look good on the outside and appease God, the first thing he says is, you shouldn't be concerned with what everybody else thinks if you're truly trying to please God. If you're truly trying to please God, you know, your attitudes and your actions will reflect that. Um, yeah, I think, man, good. I think there's there's a tension even there for me, uh, and balance is such a big thing for me. I want to make sure that there's ditches on both sides of the road. We talked about this Sunday, yeah, legalism did. and license, right? I want to stay balanced with a lot of this because... I think it's easy for us to say it doesn't matter what people think of me, but at the end of the day, that's not true. Sure. Um, you know, Paul says that we need to make sure that we're being thought well of by outsiders. Yeah, above reproach. Right, you know, uh, and, and things like that. Um, but I think the point there is that we don't pretend so that others think well of us. Yeah, that's good. You know, um, matter of fact, one of the best motivations for you to be formed in your life is that those closest to you would see you and respect that, would mm-hmm. see that and admire that, would see that and want to pursue that. Paul says, hey, uh, follow me as I follow Jesus. So when I think about being spiritually formed in my life, a big part of that is, man, I want my boys to be able to follow in my footsteps as they grow up. Yeah. I want them to say, hey, he wasn't perfect, and he let us know that he wasn't perfect, but we did. We, we do respect him. We do look up to him. We do believe um, you know, that he was a, a man who was trying to follow God. And so what my kids think of me, my boys think of me, that that really matters. Yeah. You know, so I think it's easy to say what people think of us doesn't matter, but the truth is it does. Yeah. The point behind that though is that we don't just pretend to be something we're not so that they would think those things of us. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I think people who are closest to you see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they see how you respond to the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think in a lot of ways that is a telltale sign of how spiritually formed you are or how spiritually formed you're becoming. Um, but when we talk about 
when, when we talked about this Sunday, right, we talked about two lists, and you saw this from Paul. You saw uh, a list of sin, and it's kind of his like, hey, here are the things that are evidencing whether or not you're 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 nailing it, right? And and here's the list of things that that really and truly indicate whether or not your heart's in the right place. And you talked about those two differences, and I loved how you broke the that first list, that sin list, down into three categories, and you know. As we have that conversation, as we're having that conversation, I think one of the things that we talked about was, yeah, that's true for them, but there's also some things that are really true for us today and boundary markers for us today as oh, Christians yeah. in our church. And so uh, what are some boundary markers that you see in the church today? Well, so let's, let's go back and look at that list because I think that list of what a life formed in the flesh looks like is still really relevant to us today, right? Uh, so the three areas we said uh, were he talked about sexuality, he talks about religion, talks about relationship, right? He lists 10 uh, characteristics of what a life formed by the flesh looks like. And uh, five of those are sexuality and religion, and then uh, 10 of those, so 15 total, not 10 total, 10 of those are relationships. And so number one, I, I think that uh, a boundary marker for us is sometimes it really doesn't matter how you treat people. You can treat people however you want and still stay inside the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think objectively Scripture shows that's not yeah. true. We want to put a tear break you know, in between that. Yeah, I mean, sexuality and... And, and religion, like that's really important stuff. This other, you know, ten things that Paul mentions, not near as important. Well, not true. Yeah, you know, right. he lists a fifteen, and ten of them were about how you de- deal with people, <laughs> and he doesn't put a tear break in between, saying, "Hey, those first five are for those really, really bad people. These last ten are for you, like you normal people who still love Jesus, but you mess up sometimes." Right. You know, like that's not the case. He says all of those fifteen things; those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I think. You know, that's definitely number one. Um, And I think that those first two areas of life formed by the flesh, sexuality and religion, I think they're way more relevant for the church today than than maybe we want to realize. So so let's just talk, for instance, about sexuality. Right. Let me pull up, you know, uh, from Sunday, the the actual verse. Let's read it together just because it's important, the, the language behind it. Paul says, now, the works of the flesh are obvious. And then he lists these three things. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, mm. right? So, so here's what I would contend. I would contend that sexuality in the church today is more of a culturally formed boundary marker than it is a scripturally formed area of formation in our life. Okay, unpack that. Like, what, what do you mean? Because... If I am unclear on what you're saying, then I could take you to mean 16 different things. So yeah. what do you mean? Uh, all right, so very specifically, and hey, this is why you're listening to the podcast, right? If you made it 35 minutes in, congratulations. <laughs> this is weeds. where it gets good. So let, let's look at homosexuality, right? I think by and large in the church today, if you are uh, in a homosexual relationship or have homosexual um, you know, attractions, then we look at that and say that is out of bounds. That is beyond the boundary marker, right? But we look at other areas of, uh, you know, porn. Mm-hmm. We look at other areas of uh, cheating. It used to be called adultery. Now it's just called cheating. Or maybe it's even now an open relationship, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and, well, that's kind of borderline. Is that in the boundary, out of the boundary? It depends on if you're really conservative or not, you know. Or 
sex before marriage and just hookup culture, or maybe not even hookup culture. I'm in a committed relationship. We love each other. We love Jesus. It's okay that we sleep together. That is well inside the boundary markers of people who identify as conservative Christians today. And so because we have separated those things and made a spectrum of that, where homosexuality, that's out of bounds, but sleeping with my long-term boyfriend is in bounds, that shows me that this is just a boundary marker that we have let culture form mm-hmm. because our culture looks at one of those harsher than it looks at the other. Uh, so culture has formed that. Scripture hasn't formed that because look at that list that Paul just gave us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mention homosexuality in there. He mentions promiscuity. He mentions sexual morality, which we would say encompasses all of it. Yeah. So I think here's where I want to be very clear. Okay, At the orchard, we hold that homosexuality is a sin. Okay, that practicing homosexuals are being disobedient to God in the God-designed sexual ethic for mankind. But so are people who are having sex before marriage. So are people who are having sex outside of marriage. So are people who are addicted to pornography. All of those are outside the bounds of a sexual ethic that God clearly paints inside of the New Testament. And here's why I think it's so important that we recover a holistic sexual ethic as it's given by Scripture. It's because if culture set that boundary marker, culture can move that boundary Mm. marker. And I think we're seeing that. We're seeing that. Right. Right. Because we taught our kids, well, you don't have sex before marriage and homosexuality is wrong, but there was never a biblical foundation for that. Now what they've seen is, well, uh, okay, we had sex before marriage and fire didn't fall from heaven and consume us, so it must not be that bad. And now as homosexuality is becoming, by and large, more a part of the mainstream culture, other people are saying, well, I just don't think that God would say that that's wrong. And so that boundary marker is moving. And so there's a fight inside the church now, and it's only because we never had this area of our life formed properly, we let culture form it for, for us. And when culture moved, now the boundary marker's moving and we're having all these discussions. Man, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, I think that should terrify you, right? If, if we are raising up households subjectively that are being dictated by what culture says, by what's on our Instagram, TikTok, Facebook feeds, right? X, Twitter, whatever, right? If we're raising up families whew, that are setting the boundaries based on what we see and what as a population deems as acceptable or respectable, the thing that should terrify us is one day that could completely pivot and we're not going to have a good reason for why we did it. Oh, right? I think it's already pivoted. Yeah. You know, and and I think that our inability to see this as more than just a cultural boundary marker, but to see it as part of a holy form sexual ethic it is it is the reason that we're getting so much pushback on this area because you look at young Christians who say, okay, why is it wrong for a person to be a homosexual, but it's okay for these pastors to sexually mm. abuse women in their church? Gosh. And what we would say is neither. Yeah. Neither. And then we would include... Hey, I know you love your boyfriend. I know you love your girlfriend. I know that you plan on getting married. I know that you think you're married, quote, in God's eyes. But you're breaking that sexual ethic that has been formed by Scripture, and you're letting it be formed by your traditions, subcultures, and own desires of your flesh. Yeah, and two pieces to that, right? And one of those is, man, God wrote the rubric because God knows you more than you know you. God knows the creation He created, and... 
And I truly believe God wants what's best for you, and he knows how you're hardwired, and he is not just giving you rules to be a bad dictator in heaven. He's, he's laid these things out because he knows how we function, and he knows what is right and good uh, for us. And so he's a loving God that says, hey, if you will just experience these things within these parameters, you will see it is better, right? You will see that that, that it is better. And so it, the second thing, it makes me think of one of the things that we say all the time, we want something for you not from you, right? We, we don't just want you uh, to be miserable, right? But we, we think that God's got a plan and we think you follow that plan, you will see that, man, this is exactly how Jesus intended. Absolutely, it absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, God knows better for your life than you do. Yeah. And I think this area of a sexual ethic is one of those areas we need to step back and say, okay, I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to believe it's better. Yeah, it's good. Um, and so, you know, we talked about uh, this kind of the last thing, I guess, that worth mentioning. And we did have one question come in, so we'll talk about that too. Um, but we talked about these two things. We talked about this world where Paul says, hey, avoid these things. Uh, this is what this looks like. But really and truly walk by the Spirit, and, and you'll kind of see how you naturally avoid some of these things. And so maybe unpack, you know, and we talked about this a little bit on the back end in Lake City, but unpack what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? What does it look like to spend time with God and some of that stuff? Well, I think, all right, now it's dangerous again because we're saying that a spiritually formed life is more about who we are than what we do. It's more about our attitudes and actions. And then when we start talking about, okay, what does that look like? We immediately pivot I need a list. to action. <laughs> Give a list. me a list. Right. Yeah. Give me something to do. And to be really honest, just, hey, this is the point of the podcast is to be able to be a little bit more nuanced, take our time a little bit, is that you can't cultivate those attitudes without some actions. Sure. Right? You can't cultivate that posture before God without certain behaviors in our life. But I prefer uh, to look at them not as actions or behaviors or even habits. Let's look at them as rhythms. Good. Right? We, we need healthy rhythms in our life of spending time with God, of hearing from Him through His Word in prayer. Uh, we need to be obedient to Him, right? Because as we are obedient to Him, that's how we walk with Him and follow Him. And, and so those building those rhythms in our life, I, I think, are super important to cultivating those attitudes and actions, but we just can't let it devolve down to, if I'm doing these things, then my attitude must be okay. The question is not, hey, AJ, did you have quiet time this morning? The question are the question is, are you loving God and are you loving people? That's the question, right? Because yeah. Paul said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. The law is fulfilled in this. Yeah, love is fulfilled in the law. It makes me think of uh, exactly what David writes in Psalm 37, 4. And I love this verse for this reason because it helps put a handle on it. He says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight, right? That attitude. That Delighting is an attitude that we have. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And it's almost this catch-22. It's like, if I delight myself in God, what am I going to want more of? I'm going to want more of Him, That's right? right? And then we get on this beautiful cycle of, my attitude is that I love spending time with God, and so I want more of God, and then I want the things that His heart wants, and yeah, and I get think on this that's rhythm. that's where those actions and behaviors and habits are really formed is because the more we love Jesus and want to look like Jesus, the more we're like, man, you, you are good and you do good. And when I follow your plan, I see more of you. I hear more from you. I know you more. And so you're going to want to follow his plan. Uh, and I, I think, you know, breaking it down, like I heard uh, an old country pastor say one time is God doesn't just change your doer. He changes your wanter. Mm, you good. know, that's like, <laughs> like he it, ultimately, as we follow him, he changes the desires of our heart. He changes yeah. our wanter. I want different things now. So because I want different things, I do different things. Change your However, wanter. let me just say this. I think sometimes it's okay to fake it till you make it. I think sometimes you may just have to bite the bullet, start building that rhythm, 
so that he can change your wanter. Uh, but be very careful. Again, yeah. it's, it's it's a slippery ground, so let's make sure that we're always keeping the focus or attitudes. Yeah, last thing on that, I think uh, that's evidenced in a conversation I had yesterday on the back end. We talked about some of these rhythms, and uh, somebody came up to me uh, later on in the day, actually, not even at church, and they just said, you know, I needed to hear that on the back end because I realized, no wonder my attitude has been awful lately. I have neglected to do the thing. I have neglected to spend time with the Father that gives me a new attitude. I need that, right? I need that rhythm in my life. And so I think that's where those two worlds get married for sure. And so we had, uh, kind of round that conversation out, we had one question actually on boundary markers, but the question that came in is, what are some of the boundary markers that exist in our culture? And we talked about sexuality a good bit. Is there another one that you think would be worth mentioning in there? You know, that's a really good question because I think the big one that jumps out to me is sexuality, especially right. inside uh, of the, the Christian culture. Um, I think maybe another boundary marker that exists inside of, let's say, this male culture. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> All right, guys, uh, lean in. It is, it is this false idea of what a man is. It, it is somebody who pick. It, it's John Wayne, not Jesus, right? To, okay. to go on something that's, that's a popular <laughs> sure. riff now. You know, it's a strong guy. It's a tough guy. It is, uh, I'm going to stand up for me and mine and fight when we know that Scripture teaches, yeah, God has made man to look out for his family, be a defender of the family, but yet God's also the God who says, stand still and let the Lord fight for you, right? And I think that, all right, I'm just going to get super transparent right now, and I have no idea who's going to listen to this oh boy, podcast. Here we, go. we were at a baseball tournament a few weeks ago, and baseball we had... Uh, a guy who's a dad on our team who is like a crew chief for FHSAA high school baseball games. And they were down an umpire. And so the tournament director knew he was umpire, asked him if he would go umpire. We asked the other coach, only the assistant coach was there. Hey, are you cool with this? He's one of our dads, but he like does this like across the state. You know, he's like, oh no, it's fine. It's good. Well, you know, first close call of the game, goes against us. Of course, And he right? like bangs out his stepson, <laughs> like, you're done. Yeah. Um, but the the next inning, there's a close call that I didn't think was that close that went against the other team, okay? And so immediately the other coach starts getting hot. It all unravels. Somebody says, well, that's because he's one of their parents. Oh, and the no. coach loses his mind. And he, you've seen the, the, the coach or the umpires like throw out a, a coach by like, you know, get out of here. Right. He does that to this guy on the field. This guy who's there trying to help out, be a good dude, right? Oh, gosh. He, he, you know, throws him out, you know, and just loses his mind. And it's starting to get hot. The parents are going at each other. This guy, you know, bless his heart, is walking out trying to find a seat just finish watching the game and parents are just like yelling at him you cheater you just like losing oh their mind gosh. it is a you know it's it's a circus out there right so i'm trying to stay calm because aj you know i have a temper i'm trying to stay calm so our parents will stay calm I'm trying to stay calm because our kids will stay home but i'm hot like i'm running <laughs> red hot and, and to circle around the end of the game as we're shaking hands i pull the other coach side and said hey man you owe him an apology and you do it now that was ridiculous that was uncalled for yeah. you know and, and so we had that conversation but two innings after this before the end of the game when tensions are still high their catcher goes up to bat, takes his shin guards off, and leaves them in the on-deck circle next to our dugout. And so their coach is walking across the field to get these shin oh guards, yeah. and here's what happens. I see him coming. I've been down, pick him up, and go carry him to him. Yeah, it's good. And when I tell you after the game how much crap I caught from people. Yeah. Like, I can't believe you did that after the way that he acted. Man. And even hearing some of our parents and some of our coaches under their breath laugh at me for picking up those shin guards and carrying them over to them because 
I wasn't conforming to what a man and a coach and a dad should be. Right, you should have kicked them. I should, yeah. You should have kicked I, them, I thrown never them over the fence. Those up, yeah. you know. But man, at the end of the day, you're not going to find Jesus say that's what a man looks like. Right. A man is a man after God's own heart, who's a warrior when he needs to be a warrior, but's also a peacemaker when he needs to be a peacemaker. Yeah. And a guy who is going to be a servant, servant, a yeah. guy who is gonna, you know, you know, try and do things the right way. And so I think that that false idea of manliness of let me just show you how big a boy I am. I think of Roy D. Mercer, how big a boy are you? Yeah. You know, I, I think that may be a boundary marker, especially in the South of. Hey, that's what a real man is, and we have no idea what Scripture says a real man, man looks and like. And let me let me say this. Uh, well, I got several thoughts. One, real quick on this: when rubber meets the road, and your life is falling apart, and you need as a man, and you are looking for that guy in your life, you're like, who am I going to take my problems to right now? You're not looking for that guy that's going to kick shin guards when he should be carrying them over. You're going to look for the guy who you know has a good heart. He's going to care for you. He's going to do those things. Those are the guys you're looking for. Um, so it reminds me of almost Andy Stanley's Love, Sex, and Dating series, right? Be the person you're looking for is looking for. You want to know what it is to be the right kind of figure in our culture. Um, a, that's modeled after Jesus. B, the person you need in the worst moment is probably the person you should be uh, or start to become. Um, I as think that's other. good. I think... You know, one of the things that we said at the orchard is that you don't ever have to run from God. You can always run to God. That's good. And as a little league coach, <laughs> not a guy who's trying to show everybody how big a boy I am, as a little league coach, man, it's important for me that those boys know that they don't ever have to run from me. Even when I get upset with them, they can run to me. Yeah. And I think that that that's a posture, I think, that we want to develop with our families, when our friends, you know, when somebody in our life blows it and they're like, oh my God, I can't go tell AJ he's a pastor. No, be right. the kind of guy they're like, no, I can tell AJ because I know that he's a man of grace. Yeah, it's good. Also, parents, come on, just complete sidebar. <laughs> come on, let's do better. Uh, last couple things, you know, uh, A, I think great conversation. I think if you guys have questions, please feel free to reach out. We said that last week. You know, we love the open dialogue. We say all the time from stage, you want to grab coffee? Let's go grab coffee. You know, we love just sitting down and we unpacking like coffee. Uh, a lot of this stuff. And so feel free to please hit us up, ask uh, questions and navigate some of this. Uh, have some questions ready after Sunday in case we do another little Q&A section. Uh, be ready, have them locked and loaded. And then a couple of closing things here. Uh, Harvest Celebration, November 19th. Uh, we talked about this Sunday, but man, this is one of the coolest things that we get to do together as a church, just being able to see we really are one church in many locations. And so there's gonna be a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, hay rides, bounce houses, all that kind of stuff. Um, really good food. And then I would say really good dessert, but I have no idea what you guys are bringing yet. So that is completely and entirely contingent on you. Now, here's what I do know. A couple of people personally, and I know that I've never had something I didn't like from their kitchen. So there will be at least a couple of good desserts there. Uh, but bring your A game with the desserts on that. Um, Look, if there's a question in your mind, just go get some Publix cookies and everybody will be happy. That is the dang truth right there. That is truth. Um, and the last thing is I just want to commend, I mean, I saw some really cool moments. I saw Eddie, Pastor Eddie post a picture with the kids and the shoe boxes, and I know we had uh, a lot of boxes brought in, and, and I know Matt had, uh, I know Matt's had some very vocal individuals really pushing those boxes over there in Live Oak, and so just wanted to commend you guys uh, on your effort, uh, whether it be large or small, to be able to go fill out a box and uh, have an opportunity to share the gospel. We said way at the beginning of this podcast, God's creative, and I think this is one of those ways that he's shown he's creative by putting something like 
a shoebox full of practical gifts on somebody's heart and said, hey, this is going to be an engine for the gospel. We're going to pioneer with the gospel with this thing. And so it really is a cool thing. And I got to tell you, I I have a core memory created from shoeboxes when I was in Live Oak yesterday. It was the second service. So there's boxes already on stage from the first service, the boxes the kids packed the week before. And a little boy, probably like five, six years old, comes in with a shoebox and he comes to the front to go put it on before the service starts. And he goes, Oh my gosh, there's like a hundred of these. <laughs> and he just loses his mind because I don't think we realize, you know, our one shoebox doesn't seem like a lot, but when it comes together, man, it really does make a global impact. Yeah, it's really cool. So really good job on that, man. Just commending our people. That's really awesome. Um, but any last thoughts you want to add before we kind of boogie out of here? And- no, man, I think Harvest Celebration, be there. Uh, I think be uh, at church this Sunday. Let, let's finish out this idea of formed and talk about what it looks like to be formed on mission. Yeah. And let's finish the year strong. Got a lot of cool things coming up in December, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I love it. Uh, one of those cool things is not for you guys, but it is for us, because we're having a staff Christmas party, and last year was electric, so I'm fun about that. But yeah, a lot of cool things coming. Uh, excited about this conversation this week, and then excited to get back on it next week, and that's where we will find you guys again right here. So yep, see you week. next week.